0: Good morning. I'm so glad you're here today. You know, before we jump into First Peter, I want to uh, let you know about two things. Next week, I'm so excited about our time together to celebrate 75 years. Uh, we're kind of partying all year long, I guess, with this thing. But uh, uh, but next week's going to be kind of a it's going to be a great day. Roger's coming back, and and uh, he and I are the only only pastors still living in and and. Uh, and and I love that we have a legacy. I, I'm the ninth pastor. Roger was the eighth. And, you know, I, I talked to him this week, and we just kind of talked about our church and what God's been doing and what God has done. And you know what we we both said? We are like, man, I hope there's a 19th pastor here. And if, if we do our job, there will be. And, and I love it that uh, next week we're going to be kind of remembering where God has brought us. Also, I want you to know about tonight. Um, tonight's going to be really fun. It's 6.30, Jenny. 6.30. Um, John and Jenny Tooley are, are sitting over here, and, um, and John is one of our deacons. And and, uh, and you may not know this, but at my very first full-time position at First Baptist Ada, John and Jenny were my first interns. I inherited them, and now I can't get away from them. Uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. But tonight is going to be really fun because their son Cody is being ordained. One of our, we're ordaining one of our sons. Uh, Cody grew up here in this church. He uh, uh, went to OBU. Um, as he finished OBU, he worked here for about a year, and uh, and. And about 10 months ago, he took his first full-time job at Northwest Baptist Church, where he's the youth minister. And I love that church. That's where Paul Purifoy was for a long time. And my, my wife and I were married in that church. And so we're so grateful that he's serving the Lord so well in Oklahoma City. And tonight, we're sending him. We're putting our hand on him and sending him into full-time ministry at 630 in the, in the chapel. So I want you to know that. You may want to come to that. Um, so we're in First Peter, First Peter chapter one. Turn there. Now, uh, two weeks ago we started the book of First Peter. Last week Jeremy Freeman was here, and uh, um, but we're going to turn back to First Peter, and we're in verses three through nine today. Now, as we uh, let me just refresh our minds. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been in this book, but um, it's an important book for us. In, in the book of First Peter, over the over the coming months as we study this book, we're going to rub shoulders with um, some important concepts, the the idea that salvation is our greatest gift. That's something we'll see over and over again as we look at the book of 1 Peter. We're going to see how how the Holy Spirit will help us grow up, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us grow up in our faith, and and as we dig into this book, we're going to see what we need to grow up in and how we grow up as believers. We're also going to see something very important. We're going to see how, how Jesus helps us in the face of a hostile culture. Um, look, as, as I look at the horizon, um, there, I think there are challenges in front of us as believers, as followers of Christ. And, and, and Peter wrote this book to, to believers who were scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. These were Christians in the first century that were facing, honestly, some difficult moments. Some persecution, I mean, real persecution. And, um, and you know what? God helped them. Jesus helped them. And that's what Jesus does for us. He, he, he helps us. Now, we have to remember as a follower of Christ that, that look, there are going to be times we're going to go through difficult circumstances. And I know that there's messages out there about you know following Jesus will will always help you be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, but that's just not what the Bible says. The Bible points to the, the the miracle of following Jesus is not that we are exempt from difficult circumstances. The miracle of following Christ is that He walks us through every circumstance and every challenge, every moment and and, and we 're going to see this over and over again and and, and and you know like like all through history, Jesus has walked his people through chaos and let me tell you something that 's going to be the same with our history. Christ is going to walk us through whatever we face, and I love this now i 've mentioned i 've shifted translations on you know more normally when I preach, I preach through, out of the ESV because I think that 's the most in my opinion it 's the the most scholarly of the translations right now. But, um, but uh, the, all translations are good. I, I, I have been working on memorizing the book of First Peter. So I, I'm, I can't switch translations in my head. It's messing with my mind to switch with translations. So let's just, we're going to NIV. So if you're mad about that, get over it. But First um, but, um, Peter chapter 1, we're gonna look at verses 3 through 9. Would you stand with me and let's look at this text today. Peter writes, God's Spirit writes through Peter, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise Glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you do not see him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And this is the word of the Lord. Praise Thank you, you. May be seated. Now, um, man. The first thing that we see, as, as you look at this passage, uh, it's such a cool thing to recognize. We actually sang it. That, that, that hope in Christ is active. And I want you to know that about your hope in Christ. It's active. What do I mean by that? Let's think about that. You know, let's think about hope for just a second. You know, uh, hope in English and hope in Scripture have two different distinctions. I think that's important to point out. Like, I, Thursday, this coming Thursday, the Thunder will play the Phoenix Suns. And I like the Thunder. We used to have season tickets, and I loved going to those games. And, and um, I hope the Thunder will win, right? The problem with that is the Thunder, they're, I mean, they're, they can play better than I can play, but they're struggling a little bit this year. Um, and uh, they're number they're ranked 14th in the Western Conference. Just for your uh, sports trivia today, um, the Suns are ranked one, right? So, so it's uh, like I can hope that they win, but they might not, right? They may not win. Uh, you know, um, hope in Scripture is different. Remember Hebrews eleven. Hebrews eleven is the faith chapter, and Hebrews 1 says, "Faith, faith in Christ, faith in God is being sure of what you hope for, and certain about what you cannot see." So, so when the Bible describes hope uh, in like hope, faith in Christ, hope in Christ, it's not it's not a, a well. It may or may not come to pass. No, it's a it's a it's certain. It's a guarantee. So, so let's not get wrapped up into the English definition of hope, where it may or may not take place. Let's understand what the biblical definition, the, the, the biblical explanation of hope in Christ really really means. Now look back at verse 3. Fascinating passage of Scripture. Praise be, Peter says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy. Ah, uh, let's think about that. Uh, you know, Peter's a guy that I, that, I, that had this up-close encounter with the mercy of God. And so no wonder he writes, oh, I gotta praise the Lord. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. I mean, you know, you remember Peter's story, right? I mean, Peter was the um, used to be Simon and, and Jesus chose him and called him, Simon, come follow me. And Andrew went and got him. And, and, that whole encounter with Peter's calling and, and, um, and Jesus says to Simon, Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change your name, Peter. You're, you're a rock. And I can see Peter going, that's right. I am. That's Right. And he was. Peter was a rock. He was a he I, I liked Peter. I liked Peter. He was uh he he was bold. All the disciples looked to him, all the disciples were like, they followed him, and 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 Jesus um worked in his life. And 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 Peter is a cool a guy I can relate to. I love this part of Peter's life. He was he wasn't afraid to fight anybody. I, I, I kind of respect that. You know, remember Jesus was being arrested and 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 he's Uh, you know, the guards are coming up and Peter's like, well, let's go, man. He pulls out his sword and he's like, I'll take all of you on. And he swings it and cuts off Malchus's ear, which is one of the coolest parts of scripture. And I guarantee you, Malchus is in heaven. I I guarantee we're going to get there and he's going to be there because what a nodhead if he doesn't come to Christ. I mean, he gets his ear cut off by Peter. It's on the ground. And then Jesus heals his ear. I mean, right there, I'm switching teams. I'm like, I'm on his side now. Um, But, uh, I'm sure Malchus is in hell. That's why I think we know his name. But, but Peter, I love this about him. He's ready to fight everybody. But, but remember his story? Just a few hours later, there's a little girl. And, and the little girl is by the fire and says, oh, yeah, you were with Jesus. And Peter caves. Hours after he's ready to fight all these soldiers, he, he caves to a little girl. And then, oh my goodness, remember Matthew 26, 75. Oh my goodness, Matthew 26, 75. Oh, the rooster, the, the rooster crows. And oh man, Matthew 26, 75 talks about right after the rooster crows, the Peter, he he weeps bitterly. He he realizes his failure. And, and can you imagine the, the 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 utter failure of that moment? And then, and then the realization of the resurrection as as Jesus, he's, he's not in the grave anymore. And, and then all of a sudden Jesus is standing in front of him. And can you imagine the shame of you having to face Jesus who you who you just bailed on and you just walked away from and totally expecting Jesus to say, Peter, what why would you what are you doing? Why did you bail on me? But yet, yet what did Jesus do when he sees Peter? He forgave him. He receives him. He invests in him. No wonder Peter writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. I mean, when was the last time you really sat down and remembered the mercy that God showed you? I gotta tell you, so often for me in my spiritual battle as I, I'm about to get up and preach, that's when I, I feel like just pounded the most. And I don't know why this is the case, but, but I, I, I always go back to the eighth grade. This, there was a moment in the eighth grade that wasn't my best moment. And for whatever reason, I'm, I'm about to go up and preach and it feels like I go back to the eighth grade and I feel like the enemy going, why, why are you getting up to preach? And I've learned to say, hey, good point. Thank you, Lord, for the mercy you've shown me. You know, God has shown us mercy, and I don't want us to ever forget the mercy of God. And Peter writes this, I praise the Lord for his mercy, because when you think about the mercy of God, you know what it produces in us? It produces a lifetime of gratitude. And that's what happened in Peter's life. As you understood how the Lord led him, he was, he was grateful for how, how God led him. God showed him mercy. And, and I'll tell you, this is why I pray that, that we, we are the most grateful people in Owasso and Tulsa. Because God has shown us mercy. And, and this is why I pray that, that we help the world see, look, God shows mercy. Aren't you grateful for the mercy of God? And it's moving to hear Peter say this, that, that uh, he helps us see what, what mercy does. And, and in my life, I, I've discovered that mercy, when I understand the mercy of God and, I, and I'm grateful for the mercy, when I remember the mercy of God, it moves me to obey the Lord. It moves me to, to lean into how the Holy Spirit is leading me to obey. It leads me to a gratitude for my salvation. It, it moves me to trust in the Lord. That's why Peter writes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, uh, he gives us new birth. Look at that. New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we just saying about Jesus, you are our living hope. And let's not miss that, that important phrase in, in the Scripture that, that, that the hope we have in Christ is not a dead hope. It's not a, a pointless hope. That our hope we have in Christ is a living hope. Let's notice that. You, you know, when I think about the living hope of Christ, it, I see that the, it's the resurrection of Christ that, that changes our fear of death, right? As a believer, I mean, I mean, um, my wife and I were sharing with a group of teenagers about a, about a guy that, uh, a real famous guy right now living and he just was given his biography and he was saying, you know, I'm terrified of death. But he doesn't have a living hope. He doesn't have a hope in Christ. And I want you to know because, because, because of the resurrection, everything changes for us. And, and, and let's keep this in mind. Look, folks, Jesus conquered the grave. Think about that. Death is defeated because of Christ. This is a big deal. This is something that the Bible continues to help us remember. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we we look at death and go, oh, no, we're so afraid. Now, none of us want to check out, right? God moves us to run our race with perseverance, and God calls us to this. He He made us fight for life, and this is good, and, and we're called to this. But But let's remember that the Bible reminds us that death is been defeated because of the resurrection. And, and you know, it's, and, and when you put your faith in Christ and, and because of what Jesus did on the cross and, and as he conquered the grave, the master of this place is the only one that had the power to, to defeat death, right? And people believe in a lot of things and, and a lot of different weird people in the world. But, but let me tell you something, it's only Jesus that conquered the grave. and You got to look to him. And Jesus, in, this, in his life, he, had this, he created a controversy, a pretty big controversy. Uh, it started all the way back in John 3 is where we have a record of it. When, when Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said, hey, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And, and this is an important, uh, you know, movement, important moment in your life be born again. And Nicodemus was confused about it. He's like, hey, I don't understand. Jesus, do I enter back into my mother's womb? I don't, I don't understand. And Jesus said, come on, Nicodemus, you should know better than this. You know that you of all people, Nicodemus was a teacher of the law. He understood spiritual things. He was a Pharisee. He, he understood that there was a spiritual reality of life. And, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, come on, you, you should know this. And I remember that fame I don't know who came up with this famous phrase, but it's famous that it says, uh, "Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once." Y- you know, because of Jesus, there's a, there's a promise of eternal life. There's a promise of heaven, and, 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 you know, this is why I think, like, C.S. Lewis was right when he says that every thinking person must come face-to-face with who Jesus is and what he did. And some of you may not have come really face-to-face and, and, and really come to terms with who Jesus is and what he really did. And i got to tell you, who else rose from the dead in history? Nobody. Nobody has that power but God. And that's why you can't escape Jesus. I pray you look to him. You can't ignore him. Peter writes, praise be. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice verse four. And, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Kept in heaven for you. Let's think about this. It's, uh, um, y- you know... Usually when we think of an inheritance, what do we think of? We think of, oh, that's something I get when somebody that I know dies. They're going to give me an inheritance or leave me an inheritance. But let's recognize what, what the window of heaven that's being opened up here for us as we get to peek into what happens when we walk through that door called death. And when, when, when we walk through that door, that's when we will not leave an inheritance. We will receive an inheritance. That's why the moment of death is a victory moment for a believer. because Peter writes to these people that are dying for their faith, and he says, look, recognize that the day you draw your last breath, that inheritance, you'll receive it. And this is why I'm moved to not lay up for myself a treasure on earth. Let's lay up, let's lay up treasures in heaven, Paul writes that, and helps us see that, and into an inheritance, Peter says, that will never perish never spoil or never fade, kept in heaven for you. I love this. It's so interesting. Who through faith, your faith in Christ, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. Now, there's a couple ways to look at that last time. It, you know, there's going to be a last time in the history of the world. There's going to be a moment that Christ returns. And, 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 and I'll tell you, I, I pray, I always think about this. I, if, if Christ is going to return, I pray that I'm so walking with the Lord, I just keep my schedule. You know, if you have to change your, if you, if you actually knew that Christ was going to return on Tuesday and you had to totally adjust your life, you may ought to think about your life, Right? But look, there's going to be a last time. There's going to be a moment that Christ is going to return. But, but you know what? Either one of two things are going to happen. We're going to see the coming of Christ in the end days. Or I will have a last day on the earth. And I'll receive that. It'll be my last time. And I think it's interesting. It's the faith in Christ that we have that I'm shielded by the power of God. God. Oh, don't you realize there's power in following the Lord and shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed. I love this because Jesus says, I'm ready to reveal it to you. I can't wait to reveal the magnitude of salvation. That's why I think when I get to heaven, we get to heaven and we're going to be like, whoa, whoa, this is amazing. And, and I, I just... I think it's, an, it's, it's fascinating to process this inheritance that we're going to receive. There's a, there's a really good book. That's a new book that's out. And a friend of mine wrote it named Andy Davis. It's called uh, The Glory Now Revealed. It's a book on heaven. You ought to get it. It's called The Glory Now Revealed. And I, I, Andy's on the IMB board with me. He's the smartest pastor I've ever known in my life. And uh, um, I told him the other day, I... I I said, hey, Andy, your book's pointless to me because I keep underlining everything in it. Uh, just, uh, the whole book's underlined. So I can't even reference it because it's all green now. Um, but, but, you know, so often God opens the window of heaven and, 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 and the inheritance of, of God that's waiting for us is so magnificent to think about. You realize in heaven we're going to know one another. We're going to learn in heaven. We're not going to die and all all of a sudden be omniscient like God. We're going to learn. We have a lifetime to be in heaven to learn about the story of God. And I think we're going to know one another. We're going to understand our times. We're going to know Abraham and Isaac. We're going to have dinner there. We're going to eat there. We're going to hang out there. So, I mean, we're in, I think in Sunday school, we're in Daniel 7, right? Is it Daniel 7 today? And Yeah, that's one of those passages you go, okay, scratch your head. and wonder how it's going to be like. But let me tell you, it's going to be better than we think. And this is an inheritance that's waiting for us. And I just don't want to, I don't want you to miss it. And this is why I pray you come to Jesus and you see him because, oh, oh, as a believer, let's look forward to heaven. we in America, we often look at death and go, oh, no, that's going to be awful. No, that's going to be amazing. As a believer, as a follower of Christ. Oh my goodness. There's a real hope of heaven. And we need to see that. We need to remember that. Now, we don't want to check out, but look. Let's recognize that death does not wreck us. Death is a victory for us. And you know what? You know what that causes us to do? It causes us to live our lives with the end in mind. And I wanna challenge you, live with the end in mind. Let's, re- let's trust the Lord, let's look to him. And, and a second thing you see in this passage is that, is that all kinds of trials make you strong. And this is something that's glaring in this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ In his great mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade and is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time in this. You greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, you realize that the faith you have in Christ is of greater worth than gold, that your faith of greater worth than gold, notice this little phrase here, which perishes though refined by the fire wait a minute wait you mean trials help us absolutely they do i think about my marriage it's the things that robin and i have worked through that caused us to have, we had to forgive one another those are the things that unite us i think about us as a church it's those things that we wrestle through together those, things, those times that we make each other mad and we forgive one another, doesn't that unite us? Yes. Trials make us stronger. And that's why I think it's, you know, when, when, when I realize in my marriage I, we're going to have troubles and challenges to work through, I don't go find another wife. She didn't go find another husband. No, we work through them. It unites us when we go through challenges as a church, we don't just go, oh, well, I'm gonna go to another church. No, we work through it. That's, that's called family. And, and, and look, I, I, trials make us strong. Difficult times, um, you know, it strengthens us. It helps us. God, God uses them. And, and yeah, there are times that, that, that sometimes trials come because I create them and I, I disobey the Lord. But, but you know, let's consider this. Some trials just come into our lives because God's at work and he wants us to be stronger. Job is like this. All through Scripture, we see these things. And, and, and we recognize the the beauty of, of Romans eight twenty eight that God works all things for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And, and we've learned the joy of, of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where James writes, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So, so let's not look at trials as, oh boy, those are. Uh, I wonder what I did wrong. No, let's look at what God's doing in the midst of trials. Let's look at how God helps us in the midst of the trials. Let's look at how God walks us through the chaos in our lives. We've learned Romans 5. 1 through 5, where it says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's peace because of faith, and, and, and we've gained access by by this grace which we now stand, he says. And Romans 5 goes on, and, and we rejoice in the hope of glory, the, the hope of glory in Christ, and, and, and we rejoice in this hope, and but we also rejoice in our sufferings. And Paul writes something similar to James here, that, that we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. In Romans 5, 5, and hope does not disappoint us. And that's why I want us to see that, that, that even in trials, Peter writes and he goes, oh my goodness, he can look back at his life and he can write to these people under persecution and say, look, trials are good for you. Trials will help you. God will be faithful to you. God will walk with you through every trial you face. And, and look, let me, let me tell you something. Hope will not disappoint us. Why? Because God has poured his love into our hearts, into our lives. And, and the Holy Spirit is with us, walking with us. That's why Peter writes, oh, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials. Look, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed." And let me tell you, there have been times in my life where I've gone through a trial and I'm like, Lord, I don't see you. Lord, I don't get it. Lord, I don't understand. Lord, where are you? I don't don't see you right now. But I'll tell you, I've learned. Even just because I don't see him, just because I don't feel him, that doesn't mean he's not walking with me. And God All through Scripture, you look at the story of Joseph, you look at the story of Job, you look at the story of the disciples. Oh, my goodness. God's faithful. You know what else you see in this passage that is so very glaring? And one that you you can't look at 3 through 9 without recognizing it? Death's the door to eternal life. That's what death is for us. Folks, that's the door to eternal life. That's not a that's not a a death sentence is a victory moment for a believer. Yeah, we, we struggle on this side of eternity with that. But but notice what Peter says next. These trials have come. So your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor. When Jesus Christ is revealed, though you do not see him, you love him. And I think this is a moment that Peter's writing. He's like, look, we don't always see him. We don't see how the persecution, we don't see him in the midst of this persecution. We don't see him in the midst of this battle. And he writes, though you do not see him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. Man, I long for that kind of faith. And there've been moments that I'm like, Lord, I, where are you? There have been times I've looked at the Lord and said, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? And, and I'll be honest, there are some things that I'm, that, that it'll be heaven before I really see how it all worked out and all came together. But know this, there'll be a moment that Jesus' plan is revealed in every suffering, in every thread of our lives. And I love the faith of Peter that says, look, guys, I get it. Even though you don't see him, he's, he's bragging on him goes, you love him. Even though you can't see him now, you believe in him. And look at what God did in them. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith. Salvation of your souls. I wonder what was in Peter's mind as he wrote that. I wonder if as as God was moving him to write that, I wonder if he was thinking about Stephen. Stephen, as he's as the early church, is just devastated. Saul. This punk, Saul, grabs Stephen, the faithful leader, and he's he's accusing him of being a Christian. Acts chapter 7. Remember what Stephen said? It's the worst moment. I mean, for many, the, the worst day of their life. Public execution and Stephen going, okay, that's it. Here we go. They're picking up the stones. Remember what Stephen saw? He looked up into heaven and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God and Jesus going, well done, Stephen. Come on, buddy. Good job. Oh, let me tell you something. Death's not the end, folks. It's not the end. The Bible's crystal clear on this. And I wonder what was in his mind as he wrote, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. Look, in this you greatly rejoice. In salvation you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief through all kinds of trials. These have come so your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes though refined by the fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Hey, though you do not see him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you'll be filled with uh, this little I added this right here. let's go back you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, the salvation of your souls. You know, every, every week, we're having a mission-life challenge. And I want to challenge you to do something this week that I've never articulated in a, from a pulpit. But I should have. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was flying back from a meeting in Richmond at the IMB, and there's a, there's, I met this pastor that's, man, he's a really great leader, really great pastor in Texas. And we're, in the, we're on the bus going back to the airport, and i just met him. And he's younger than me, like most people are getting, it seems. Um, and, uh, but he, he's got five kids. And we got on the subject of death. <laughs> I don't know why. That was a great topic on a bus ride. But um, we got on the subject, and, and I said, hey, man, have you, have you done a will and stuff like that? He's like, oh, no, man, I haven't done that. I haven't done any of those things because, man, my wife doesn't want to talk about it. I was like, okay, you probably ought to do that, dude. You got five kids. And, and I go, I'll be honest with you. Um, I'm, I'm married and I have three kids. They're, they're becoming adults now. But, but the bottom line is, is, it's my job to take care of my wife, even if I'm gone. I, you need to do that. He's like, yeah, I know, I know. I was like, no, no, seriously. Like next week, you need to do, you need to like think about that. And as we talked about it, he was like, man, would you hold me accountable? I've texted him four times in the last three weeks. He's like, okay, man, I got it. I'll check on it. You told me. You told me to hold you accountable. And um, But here's the mission life challenge this week. Make funeral preparations this week. Like, Seriously you ought to consider some funeral preparations this week. And and, uh, because look, I don't know when the end when my, that, that, I don't know when if Jesus comes back, you don't have to worry about it. But, uh, well, unless you don't know Jesus and you better come today. But seriously, you ought to come today. That's not a joke. But, but look, if the Lord tarries, you need to have a you need to make a plan. And that may freak some of you out today. But let's, let's consider as a believer what, how we face death. We don't face death. We face death differently. We ought to think about the end. I want to challenge you seriously to make some plans. We're, we're going to be helping you with our financial peace stuff. We're going to be doing some estate planning and some of those things. But I want to challenge you. Think about that. Because, uh, look, as a believer, we're looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face. Now, we're going to run our race well. And we're going to run with perseverance. We're going to overcome every challenge. Because God gives us power. Power. But, but if that if, if like death freaks you out a little bit, can I ask you a question that's really serious? Do you know Christ as your Savior? See Hebrews nine is so interesting because Hebrews nine twenty four it it kind of reveals this ancient law that I would never have figured out on my own. Like when I was born, and humanity will not figure this out without revelation. And it says this without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin. And that's this revelation of God that, that we wouldn't just figure out. But that was known to us. It's been revealed to us. And so from the very beginning, the master of this whole place, he said when sin entered the world in Genesis 3, he said, look, I'm gonna, Satan, I'm gonna crush your head. And he absolutely crushed his head, his stinking head, he crushed his head. And then as God moved through the prophets, the prophets spoke of these, of these things that were to come, a Savior that was to come. And then, oh my goodness, in the first century, it was crazy miraculous. I, I can't explain it biologically, but, but God entered human history being born of a virgin. Wow. Then he lived this life. The people that saw him said, Who are you? Who is this guy? Because only God can do these things. And then, then he died. His blood was shed on a nasty old piece of wood. And it seemed like, Oh, he lost. Oh, he lost. Oh, all those oh, didn't work out. But something big happened. That apparent loss was actually the greatest win ever because death was defeated. Sin was defeated. And three days later, Jesus said, hey, I I want you to tell the world about me. And he hung out with them and and he taught them and he ate with them. And they said, you got it. We're going to tell the world. And they passed it to one generation. The next generation, the Holy Spirit moved and and the church grew and here we are in Oklahoma, right smack in the middle of Indian territory telling people about Jesus. Let me tell you something, God's at work. There's a master of this whole place. And he sees you. He's gonna help you. He's gonna walk with you no matter what. So we're going to have an invitation. And, and you know, I love them. I think they're important. Um, how are you to respond today? Maybe you need Christ. That's why we're here. Come to Jesus. Maybe you need to just get on your knees about, uh, about your life. How respond to Jesus today? I challenge you. Don't miss His voice. Would you stand where you are, Lord Jesus? Would you move us in this place? Thank you so much for the gift of your Word and how it shapes our thinking. And would you move us now, Jesus, in your name? Amen.